Mark chapter 8, the 8th chapter of Mark. And we'll, Mark chapter 8, and we'll read in verse 36, the words of the Lord Jesus. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I was glad to hear how Andrew Zuderman got saved, but for the rest of the meeting I want to preach the gospel from this solemn question the Lord Jesus asked. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Well, consider it in the light of joy, in the light of eternity, in the light of Calvary, in the light of history. First of all, in the light of joy. The Word of God acknowledges that there is pleasure in sin. Hebrews 11 verse 25, the pleasure of sin for a season, but the consequences are eternal. And then Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and walk in the delight in thy heart, and walk in the, in the eyes of thy heart, and, and um, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. So there's pleasures in sin. But thank God there's only satisfaction in the Lord Jesus. Before I got saved, I was very religious. The more religious I got, the more miserable I got. When I got Christ as my Savior, I could sink my heart of Christ in thee, my soul is found, and found in thee alone. The peace of joy is sought so long, the bliss to now and on. None but Christ can satisfy. Another name for me, there's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. And when a person has a soul saved, they can know that it's well with a soul, even in trouble. H.G. Swafford was a lawyer, a close friend of the late Dwight L. Moody. And his wife and four daughters were on a boat to Great Britain. And that boat was sunk. And he knew his wife and four daughters were on that boat. So he was in his study waiting to hear from his wife. And he got a telegram from his wife. Saved alone, signed by his wife. That meant his four daughters were drowned. And he wrote, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. Can you say it's well with your soul? Only if you trust Christ for salvation. When I had gospel meetings in Templeman, Newfoundland in 1967, I heard Gayeskoff tell about his sister Margaret, who had a, a, a roommate whose name was Penny Milan. Penny Milan was chosen as the queen of the sophomores. There was a queen for each of the grades. And for the victory dance for a football team, she was chosen to be the queen of that dance. 
she came onto the platform from a special staircase to claim of 10,000 students, Penny Milan. But a few nights later, she just threw herself on the bed. The world had nothing for her. And then a few weeks later, Margaret Goff was the assistant house mother, and all the students were supposed to be home in the in the place they're staying there by 11.30. But she wasn't there. She waited until midnight and told the house mother. The house mother waited a little while and then called the police. And they found Petty Milan in her automobile with the engine running and a pipe connected with a exhaust pipe into the car. She was trying to commit suicide. She was unconscious. But she recovered strength. And I'm thankful to tell you this. A few months later, Margaret Goff had the privilege of pointing her to the Lord Jesus and she trusted Christ as Savior. And later she married a saved Baptist preacher. So in the light of joy, it's foolish to allow anything to keep you in Christ when none of those things can satisfy and only He can satisfy. But then... It's insane to let anything keep you from Christ when when you consider the light of eternity. It's only God who knows how terrible sin is. God declares in His Word that sin deserves eternal conscious punishment in hell and the lake of fire forever. In Luke chapter 12, the Lord Jesus told this parable that the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought with himself, saying, What shall I do? I have no room to restore all my goods. This way I do a pull down my barns, and for greater. Now say to my soul, Soul thus much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool! This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And so the Lord has, everyone is a fool who lays up treasure and is not rich to God. The only way it can be rich to God is to trust the Lord Jesus for salvation. And then think of Judas. The Lord Jesus said in Luke Mark chapter 14 verse 21, the Son of Man goes as written of him, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed, good word for that man if he had never been born. An unsaved one in the meeting tonight. If you live to be a hundred and enjoy every one of the twelve hundred months that you live, if you die without Christ, it was just as true of you. It was true of Judas. Good for that man or the woman that had never been born. What's a hundred years compared to eternity? And then in Mark chapter, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, the Lord Jesus said, Be not afraid of them that kill a body and cannot kill the soul, but fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in Gehenna, in the lake of fire. And destroying the Bible never means loss of being. It means loss of well-being. So it's insane to let anything keep you from Christ when the consequences are so eternal forever and ever. 
But then, think of the, this question in the light of Calvary. Our Lord Jesus suffered infinitely in his soul to make it possible for your soul to be saved. In John chapter 12, when um, the Greeks came up to worship, our Lord Jesus immediately thought what would be necessary before any Greeks or Gentiles like ourselves could be saved. John uh, 11 verse 20, Verily, verily, I said, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, and abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And a moment or two later, he said, verse 27, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. The soul of the Lord Jesus was troubled, thinking of the suffering that would be necessary before any of us could have our souls saved. And we follow the Lord Jesus in the suffering of our soul to Gethsemane and hear his words. My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. And none of us can measure the exceeding sorrowful of the soul in anticipation of drinking that cup that was full of wrath because of our sins. He prayed, O oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass on me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And the second and the third times he prayed a little differently. Oh my Father, if this cup may not or cannot pass on me except I drink it, thy will be done. Praise God, that prayer was answered. There was no other way that God's claims against sin could be in. No other way that we could ever be brought to God. He must drink that cup. And thank God a little bit later, when Peter's going to fight for him, in John 18 verse 11, he said to Peter, put up the sword in the sheath, the cup that my father's given me, shall I not drink it? That cup of which he agonized, he was willingly taking it to his father's hand and drink it to his last dark dregs. We follow the Lord Jesus in the suffering of his soul to the events leading up to his crucifixion. In the language of Psalm 142, verse 3, No man cared for my soul. Joseph is a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus in a number of different ways. His ten older brothers sold him into slavery when he was 17. And 22 years later, those ten older brothers came down to Egypt. They didn't recognize that the governor was their own brother. He recognized them. And he spoke roughly to them because he was seeking to bring them to a place of blessing. And he sought for a place to weep for them. And he heard them say, Genesis 42, verse 21, We are verily guilty concerning our brother. And we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us. And we would not hear. Therefore this distress come upon us. Now we know our Lord Jesus never asked his persecutors to stop persecuting him. But thinking of the anguish of the soul of Joseph helps us appreciate the anguish of the soul of the Lord Jesus when he was treated so cruelly and shamefully. We follow the Lord Jesus to the cross, the deepest suffering of his soul. In Psalm 88, verse 14, Lord, why cast us off my soul? Why hadest thou the face from me? 
the Holy One that hide his face, O Christ, was hid from thee, from darkness wrapped thy soul of space, the darkness due to me. And now that face of radiant grace shines forth and light on me. And think of those three dark hours and the close of those hours, the kind that broke a long silence. There was a silence of at least three hours. It might have been as long as five hours. But the last four saints were one right after the other. The cry that broke the songs, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And while forsaken of God, we hear his words. In Psalm 69, Save me, O God, for the waters are coming to my soul. I sink in deep mild, there is no standing, come into deep waters of the floods, overflow me. See the waves and billows roll, or his sinless father's soul. All my soul it was for thee. Praise him, praise him cheerfully. And, and there's only one person knows how intensely he suffered in his soul. He knows. And thank God. He's never going to be sorry. The word of God tells us that. He shall, in Isaiah 53, that our brother read from, He shall see the travel of his soul, and shall be satisfied. And part of the satisfaction of seeing sinners getting their soul saved by trusting Him. Would to God the language of some soul would be, Jesus, I will trust Thee. Trust Thee with my soul. Guilty, violent, helpless outcomes make me whole. So, in the light of Calvary, it's foolish to let anything keep you from Christ when you have to turn your back on the best friend you ever had, one that loved you more than anyone could ever love you, the Lord Jesus. He suffered infinitely in his soul to make it well with your soul for eternity. But then let us think of the, this question in the light of history. We'll think again of Judas who sold the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And he never got to use one of them. And friend, that you might be allowing something to keep you from Christ, and you might never enjoy it at all while you're living. You might not live to enjoy it. Then think of Pilate. It says in Luke 23, verse 20, he was willing to release Jesus. Since he was willing, why didn't he? Because... Mark 15 verse 15 says he was willing to content the multitude. He couldn't do the both. Eventually the wrong willingness went out. He really lost his soul because of lack of manliness. But he really, he wasn't, he wasn't always that way. He put an accusation, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And the chief priest said, John chapter 19 verse 20 and 21, write not the king of the Jews, but he said, I'm the king of the Jews. What I've written, I've written. He was manly then, but it was too late. It was too late. And then uh, think of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great wanted to conquer the whole known world and have a one ruler. He was going to be the one ruler over the whole world. His armies led his, he led his victorious armies from one part of the world to the other. He was well on his way to achieving his ambition when suddenly, when he was 32 or 33 years of age, he got a fever. And the 11th day, 
In 323 BC, he was in eternity. He was dead. Now, I haven't had this confirmed, but I've heard it said that when he, just before he died, he requested that his hands be shown empty to show that he had taken nothing out of this world. Now, whether he did or not, First Timothy 6 verse 7 says, We brought nothing into the world, and certainly we can take nothing out. He was going into eternity with nothing, even though he was well on his way to conquering the whole world. And then think of Charlie. I heard the late David Craig tell of Charlie, and David Craig had a lot of gossamines with Willie McVeigh. So I checked the details with Willie McVeigh. Charlie was brought up in a Christian home, just like Andrew was, and a good many here. And, but when he got into high school, he was an outstanding soccer player. And in Great Britain, they make more of soccer than we make of football in this country. But anyway, in his last year of high school, he had some sickness so he couldn't play soccer. But, but just before the last game, a yearly rivalry with a neighboring town, there was a lot of excitement about that game every year, but especially this year, because both teams had outstanding players. Uh, four well-dressed men uh, came to the home in a limousine and they wanted to see Charlie. And after they left, the dad was afraid this might happen, but those well-dressed men got Charlie to promise that when it came to the last game, if he could possibly play, that he would play. So he promised to do it if he could. It came the day for the game. It was a beautiful day for the game. And Charlie ran out to the football field. And the whole fans cheered. Wiley, bravo, Charlie. Bravo, Charlie. They knew they were far more likely to win with Charlie playing. Those teams were so evenly scored, they played the first half with no score. And then they were playing the last half. There was only a couple of minutes left to play, and they passed the ball to Charlie, and they kicked the ball out as a goal, and the whole fans were cheering wildly to think that they won, one to nothing. And something happened to Charlie. He fell down on the soccer field, and they soon discovered it was very serious. So they went and called his father. His father wasn't at the game. And when he saw his dad, this is what Charlie said. Oh, dad, I won the game, but I lost my soul. That was the last words he said. Oh, dad, I won the game, but I lost my soul. And he lost it for a trifle. Whatever you lose a soul for, will be a trifle compared to the issue. Oh, I hope you'll trust the Lord Jesus for salvation before it's forever too late. Shall we pray? Oh God, our Father, we...